Presenting Detective Nick Harris in a salute to the law. Ladies and gentlemen, quoting the words of Reverend B.R. Lloyd, pastor of the Central Baptist Church of San Antonio, Texas, in an editorial that he contributed to a nationally known detective magazine, he stated as follows. We spend millions in futile attempts to reclaim those who have proven themselves the inveterate enemies of law and order. We allow these criminals to return to society three, four, five, or even six times after serving nominal sentences for major crimes. At the same time, we talk a great deal about crime prevention, while we overlook one of the most certain effective methods of preventing crime that has ever been devised. I refer to the life sentence for habitual criminals. End of quote. The crime case you are about to hear presented by Detective Nick Harris might be considered in this category of crime. Few people realize the work that goes into the business of catching criminals, the hunches that must be played, the questions that must be asked, and the dangerous risks that must be taken. Usually, when you hear of a crime, you hear first that it has been committed, then that it has been solved, if it has. You hear very little of the efforts of the police and detectives who solved that crime. Today, we are going to take you to a crowded downtown street corner to see the law in action. Pardon us, lady. Here, let go of my purse. Her. You got it, kid? Yeah, oh, let's go. Oh, okay, stop, stop. Here, give me back my purse. Police, police. Oh, that lady, what's the matter? Why, that boy, he stole my purse. Catch him. Why, that little thief. Oh. All right, honey. What do you think you're going? Here, let go of me. What are you jumping on me uh, for? I have an idea that first you've got them in your coat might have something to do with it. However, let's see what the police say. Come on, I'm taking you down to headquarters. All right, son. Now, what's your name? Frank Dermott. Your age? Nineteen. Awful young to go to prison, eh, Britt? That's right, Casey. You sure you don't want to tell the name of the man that was with you? I don't know, I tell you. Where did you meet him? In the Civic Center. Me and this fellow and another guy who was hanging around got to talking. Well, what other guy? I don't know his name either. This accomplice of yours is a lot older than you, isn't he? Sure, he's a lot older. He told us we could make some easy money snatching purses. Mm. I've never snatched one, so I thought I'd try it. I got caught. Now, what are you going to do with it? Okay, son, take it easy. Well, Britt, there you are. An open and shut case of purse snatching. Now, wait a minute, Casey. What are you so nervous about, Dermot? Nothing. Listen, I snatched a purse and that's all I got to tell you, so don't ask me any more questions. All right, son. You don't have to talk if you don't want to. Casey, could I see you outside a minute? Sure, Chief. Well, what do you make of them, Casey? It's as plain as the nose on my face. An innocent boy led astray. Did you notice how nervous he was? He's a scared lad. He's so nervous that it makes me think there's something more to this case than purse snatching. Well, I don't like to dispute you, Chief, but I think you're trying to make something out of nothing. It's a plain case of a lad needing a little money and trying to get it the easy way. Maybe so, Casey, but you get a picture of him. Take it around to a few of the joints and see if you can't pick up the older fella. And then call on this kid's mother. Okay, Chief. But it's against my better judgment. I still think it's a plain case. Yes? Mrs. Dermot? Yes? Is uh, this a picture of your son? Why, why yes, it is, officer. He isn't hurt, no, is he? No, Mrs. Dermot. He, uh, well, he, he sort of got mixed up with a purse that didn't belong to him. Oh, you must be mistaken, officer. Why, Frank has never done anything like that in his life. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Now, Mrs. Dermot... There was a man with him when he was picked up. Do you happen to know who that could be? Why, I haven't the slightest idea. Why, where is Frank? He's in jail. <gasps> but you can go oh. see him. 
Now, one more question, Mrs. Oh. Dunn. Can you give me the address of some of your son's friends? Oh, why, yes. Um, Frank's best friend is Kenny Roberts. He lives at... Well, Frank hasn't been around much lately. I saw him hanging around Jenkins' pool hall the other night, though. Where's that? Well, let's see. I've seen that kid in the picture around here a lot lately. He's been hanging around with a fellow named Jake Morton. If you ask me, I'd say Morton is no good. That's what I thought. Now, uh, where does this no-good bum live? I don't know, but he'll be in here. Well, when he comes in, tell him this boy Dermot is in jail and would like to... Morton will figure we only have purse snatching against the boy, and I think he'll show up because he'll be afraid the boy might get sore and talk. That's a smart move, Casey. Now, if this fellow Morton is only a purse snatcher, he'll probably leave the kid in jail and hide out. But if it's more than purse snatching, we should hear from him. Well, I still think you're jumping to conclusions, Britt. I think all we got here is a couple of purse snatchers. Yes? Tell him to see the Dermot boy, Chief. There you are, Casey. Send him in. Come this way, Thanks. Hello, Chief. My name's Morton, Jake Morton. I understand a young friend of mine uh, is in a little trouble. That's right, Morton, and so are you. Huh? You're wanted for purse snatching. Uh, well, that, that's ridiculous, Copper. Would you mind explaining the charge to me? Not at all, Morton. Wait a minute. Casey speaking. Why, oh, yes. Well, Morton came in here, and I told him you wanted to see him. He acted kind of funny. He went into the back room, and when he went out, he wasn't wearing his hat. Yeah? Well, I went back there, and I found his hat. It's buried under all the paper in the back there. Good work, Jenkins. We'll send a man out there right away. Okay. I'll be here. Thanks. Well, Britt, we've found the hat we were looking for. Good. Morton, do you want to tell us where you got that hat? And that guy Jenkins is lying. Well, Casey, I guess you better give him the third degree. Looks like that's the only way to get the truth out of him. Uh, Come on, Morton. Now, wait a minute, Copper. Your cop's got it on me, all right. That hat gives me away, I guess. I might as well tell you the truth. Go ahead now and get it off your chest. Well, I slugged an old guy, see? And that's his hat. Well, now we're getting somewhere, Britt. Go ahead and tell us just how it happened. Well, me and the kid got a little high on uh, some of that 29-cent wine, and then... What kid? Well, his name was Gray, Ralph Gray. Go ahead. Well, like I was saying, we got a little high, and we were standing in this alley when this guy Carpenter comes along. Carpenter? You don't mean Jack Carpenter that got hit on the head and rolled for his clothes and money, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's oh, him. Oh, but that guy wasn't even oh, hurt, Go ahead, Morton. What about this Ralph Gray? Well, uh, he's a young fella, see? About 23. Sandy here, about 5'11". He's got a little mustache. Well, where could we find him? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he hangs around Jenkins' pool hall once in a while. Okay, let's go into my office, Jason. Well, what do you make of it, Casey? I make out of it just what it is. An assault case and petty larceny. <laughs> Swell detective you turned out to be. No, that's where you're wrong. This Martinburg talked too fast and too easy. He's hiding something else. Well, what makes you think that? Look, Casey. Morton says that this Dermot kid wasn't even in on the rolling job. But you'll have to admit that the kid was scared to death. But why? Because he knows about some crime that's worse than rolling or first snatching. Now you go out and round up this fellow Ralph Gray, just as you say, Chief. But I personally think we're in for a while. Later on that night, two radio police officers picked up Ralph Gray from Morton's description of him. At the first stop sign, Gray jumped out and made a run for it. They could have shot him, but instead they chased and caught him. 
He wasn't in jail two minutes before he took two strychnine pills. They took him to the hospital and pumped out his stomach. Then he made a dash for freedom. He jumped out the second-story window and landed right in the middle of six officers who took him back upstairs. When questioned, he said he didn't live anywhere, just slept wherever he could find a place. Casey and Britt took his picture and showed it around all the shady spots in town in an effort to find out where he lived. About noon, they ran into a fellow who said he knew where Gray lived, that he would take them to the hospital. I don't find anything important in his clothes, Britt. Anything in that letter? Oh, no, just the usual letter from home, and it's from his cousin. Now, wait a minute. There's something in this last paragraph. Now, listen. Now, I hope you don't get drunk sometime and shoot off your mouth about that thing that happened in San Diego. Because if ever you do, it'll be too bad for the both of us. Yeah. What do you think he means? Well, uh, I got it, Casey. Gray has already shot off his mouth to young Dermot and Martin. <laughs> sure, sure, but he said that. Boys, I'll let you in on a little secret. I just hung me old mother. You can't tell, Casey. <laughs> They talk when they get liquored up. Come on, let's get back and have a talk with Martin. I still think they're... Yeah, come to think of I did pull one other job at Ralph Gray. What was that? Well, it wasn't much. We snatched an old lady's first, but it was a bust. Why? All we got was a set of false teeth. Oh, you remember the case, Britt? Yeah. Which one of yours made the snatch? Yeah, Gray made the snatch. We met at his place later, and like I said, all we had to show for the grab was the false teeth. Ah, uh, now you picked a swell partner, you did. There was eight dollars in that purse. Don't kid me, Copper. <laughs> you don't have to believe us. We have the full report on it here. Why, that dirty rat. I should have known better than to team up with a guy that's hot. What's he wanted for? Oh, I don't know. Uh, some some job down in San Diego. Right? Well, you might as well tell us all you know, Morton. You know this carpenter case could be a serious rat. And what do you know about his cousin in San Diego? His cousin? You covers must know as much about this as I do, huh? We do. Only we want to hear the old side of it. Yeah. Well, all I know is what Gray told young Derbert and me one night when he was drunk. He said him and his cousin bumped off an old guy they worked for down in San Diego. Well, I'll be... That's, that's all, Morton. Casey, bring Ralph Gray in here. All right. So I'll admit I'm from San Diego. Well, then suppose you tell us how you killed the old man, Gray. I don't know what you're talking about. Your cousin said you did it yourself, that he was on the outside all the time. He's lying, I tell you. He's lying. He is? All right. Suppose you tell us the truth. Starting at the beginning as if we didn't know anything about the case at all. My cousin isn't telling the truth. I burned old Hardy's feet, but my cousin cracked his neck. Burned his feet? Cracked his neck? Now, wait a minute, Gray. How come there's no record of this Hardy's murder? I... He was an old man. When we saw he was dead, we turned the heat on in his room. No one found him for two weeks, and when they did find him, the body had decomposed. And the police saw that he was an old man and thought he'd died a natural death, eh? Okay, Casey. Here's your murderer. Come along, you gray. <laughs> well, it's another good day's work, eh, Britt? I knew it was murder all along. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the end of the case. Gray and his cousin both got life for the murder of Hardy. Young Dermot's nervousness disappeared, and he was given five years probation. Morton was given a year in jail. And so you see, by the solving of this almost perfect murder, the work that goes into the unraveling and piecing together again of criminal cases. And all this proves again, as has been so often said, crime does not pay.
You have just heard another True Life drama brought to you by that eminent Los Angeles criminologist detective, Nick Harris, chief of the detective agency bearing his name. Fictitious names and places have been used throughout this narrative. This story was dramatized for radio presentation by Malcolm McTaggart and is a Caroline Carroll production. Today's cast included Charles E. Bender, Newton Lott, Bob Baldwin, Mary Ryan, Art Bickle, Malcolm McTaggart, and Bill Groen. Mr. Harris will be heard again next Sunday over the same station at 12.30 in another of these interesting stories entitled Trapping the Masked Fiend. David Starling speaking. Anthony Incorporated, California distributor for Packard Motor Cars.